Welcome to the third installment, the third session of Good Wife, to love God, husband, and home. So today in the light talk, we're going to try to get some encouraging positive things out there so that you don't feel like it's all, you know, difficult and, oh, do I have to do this kind of stuff. Um, but it's all still about knowing your place, knowing who you are in your relationship with your husband and your Lord, uh, your Lord in heaven. Uh, there's a saying, a couple sayings about wives. One of them is, happy wife, happy life. The other one is, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. <laughs> and I, when I, whenever I hear somebody say those statements, it just really makes me think, first of all, I don't like the idea that they're communicating, and yet, I think there's some, there's some truth in that. Um, but I think what's behind the um, sayings is, husbands, you better keep your wife happy, or, or you won't be happy, and nobody will be happy. And I think that the truth in it should be that if you, as a godly woman, are happy, you have so much power to create happiness for your family. Um, and it isn't up to your husband to make you happy. Um, it's up to you to be right with the Lord and to be enjoying that which the Lord has given you to do. So um, that's my first encouragement, is to be a happy wife um, and make a happy life for your family. So we're looking at um, Genesis 2, 18 to 25. And this is the creation part of woman being created. I'm just going to read it aloud. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. So out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all cattle, and to the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for the man, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, took one of his ribs, and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman, and brought her to the man. Then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones, and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man leaves his father and his mother, and cleaves to his wife, and they become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked, and were not ashamed. This passage to me is, is really amazing, it's incredible, it's moving, um, and it shows God's love for man that he wanted a helper fit for him. It also is basically saying that bestiality is not a good thing, in case anyone was wondering about that, um, because none of the animals were fit for, for man. Um, and it's also, speaking of what we were talking about both times, which is the rapprochement of the man wanting the woman back, um, and this is the basis for that notion. And it's also bringing up the nakedness and that there's no shame in the nakedness in that relationship. Um, and there's especially no shame in nakedness if you haven't sinned against God. Um, but 
we all know what happened after that. And then the other passage that I wanted to um, pull in is the 1 Corinthians 11, 8 through 9. For man was not made from, from woman, but woman from man. Neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. So in these two passages, we're finding out that woman was made for man so that he wouldn't be alone. And therefore, as a wife, your job is you're to be company for your husband. You are to, there to help him and to aid him in his life. And you are there to be fit for him sexually. Um, now, what, what everybody as a wife needs to ask, and as a Christian wife especially, needs to ask themselves is, do you believe this? Do you think it's true? And if you do, are you going to really be about this or are you going to be looking to your marriage as, again, this romantic um, story and romantic play? And I'm not going to answer the question. I'm just going to keep putting out questions here and there throughout the seminar for you to ponder and see if, if they kind of end up being answered in what, what we go through. Um, we're going to look at Proverbs 31. The portion, the whole, the whole Proverbs chapter is not about the amazing woman, but it starts at, I think, verse 10, yes. Um, and it is, incidentally, written by a woman. Uh, I think a lot of people don't recognize that. They think, oh, this is a man, you know, talking about what he wants in a woman, and he sure is kind of demanding. But it's actually a wife, or, or a mother, talking to her son, saying, this is the kind of wife that is a good wife. This is what you want in a woman. And um, there are some cultural things that have changed that will be difficult for us to completely grasp and um, understand or, or be able to fulfill. And there's even societal um, placement issues like wealth um, in terms of being able to do everything or educational issues. You may not be as smart as this woman was and you can't do everything she did. But nonetheless, it's still a really, um, it's a high, high standard to hold up as something to be pursuing. So I'm gonna read it and I'm gonna make some comments which are also bolded here in the notes. A good wife who can find. She is far more precious than jewels. That means a good wife is valuable to her husband. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. So he trusts her, and she's a prophet to him. I mean, a, a bad wife is one who sits at home and does nothing, and the man is somehow responsible for everything. So he's, he's not gaining anything other than, hopefully, sex with her. But um, a, a really good wife is not just about the sex. Uh, she does him good not and not harm. So that trusting in her and profiting is to do him good all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax. This is the part that we don't really probably deal with, although there are people who still spin. I've never done it, but it's still an interesting thing to just think about these women of ancient times. Um, and even a couple centuries ago, everybody was pretty much familiar with this process of, of wool and flax and spinning and making things. So she works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. 
She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and tasks for her maidens. That's another one. Um, we don't necessarily have uh, maidens in our homes that we can uh, direct to take care of things. But we do have, I think I mentioned a couple weeks ago, uh, or a couple months ago, we have our servants called uh, washing machines and dryers and dishwashers, uh, vacuum cleaners. Uh, we have a lot of servants that um, it's our job to give them the tasks to do. <laughs> and uh, I, I know I said this before that the idea of not being able to keep laundry up is a little bit of a mystery to me. Um, to me, it's just one of those, wow, it's so easy compared to what people had to do before. But then we also do wear a lot more clothes than they used to. <laughs> Different stuff every day. Yeah, we are a lot cleaner. Um, let's see. So She is not lazy. Um, I love that. She rises while it is yet night. When I'm rising while it's night, it's, night, it's just because I can't sleep. But... Uh, I have gotten up quite early to get things started for something that needs to get started. So She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. So the buying the field, um, that's, again, a socioeconomic thing. If, if you're not in, in a place where you can do that, uh, you're not going to be able to do that. But we also do have Safeway and Winco. So we don't have to plant a vineyard. Um, she girds her loins with strength and makes her arms strong. So the good wife is strong. She's not too delicate to uh, accomplish things. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hand to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. There you go back to the wool and flax. Um, spinning that into yarn or thread. She, uh, she opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. So she's charitable, um, not just about herself and her family, but she can look beyond that to think of others. She's not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. So a good wife isn't afraid about clothing needs because she knows how to answer that. And even if it's just being a good shopper, um, whether that be sales or discount stores or thrift stores, um, if you have the wherewithal—not the wherewithal—if you have the mind and the desire and the organization to get out and look for what your family needs on the cheap, that's I would think just as valuable as making the clothes. Um, she's not afraid about clothing needs. She makes herself coverings because she makes what is needed. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. So you wonder if her husband is known in any way because of how cool she is. Um, that's, that's kind of a nice thought, to, that you could be such a good wife that your husband is known. Oh yeah, you're married to that woman. Um, it's, a, it's worth thinking about being that. Um, she makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers girdles to the merchant. So not only is this woman making clothing for her own house, but she's saying, you know, I've got extra time here and I can profit a little bit by sewing more stuff. 
Uh, maybe some of you like to do crafting things that people want to buy. Um, but this is a way that this woman does something at home and makes profit on it. But she's also getting out there and selling it in the marketplace too. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. This is one of my favorite ones. She's not afraid of the future, but she's rejoicing. And that takes us back to the talk last month about fear. Um, fear is a really crippling thing to women, and women are so easily succumb, will, will so easily succumb to it that um, you have to know that your Lord is above that and that your ultimate end is to go be with the Lord and that none of this life is worth fearing uh, in a crippling way. Um, she opens her mouth with wisdom. So she has sought wisdom. You can't have wisdom if you haven't sought it. And then she's gained it. Um, if you do seek wisdom, the Lord says, if anyone asks wisdom, he grants it. Um, he, he likes to give good things to his children who ask. Uh, the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. So when she's instructing the wayward or the silly or the stupid, it's kindly done. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness again. She isn't, isn't lazy. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. So the good wife fears the Lord. And in that, she gets praised. Um, it's a great reward. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. I think that let her works praise her in the gates at verse 31. If you look back at verse 23, her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. That's part of why I would think that somehow he's, um, he's known because of her. Um, that is really a short talk on the light portion, but um, it seems like I had something else that I wanted to bring up and I didn't manage to write it down. So if there's any discussion, maybe it'll come to my mind. But I remember thinking last night when I went to bed, oh yeah, I want to tell him not, I want to not forget to tell him this. Oh, I know what it was. I do know what it was. It was about, um, submission and making your husband your Lord, that if your husband decides he's the Lord and demands submission of you, it's not the beautiful thing that a woman who understands who she is and where her place is um, and then gives that. It, it's, it's just not as wonderful if the man is demanding it. And it also, when a man demands um, a certain kind of attitude from his wife and behavior, it makes her servile. Uh, and Evan calls them servile wretches, that they're not strong, uh, they're not happy, um, they're not dignified because they haven't taken that place where they know they belong and enjoyed it and, and lived in it. They've been pushed to it. So um, that was what I wanted to remember to say. 
So is there any, any more discussion or any discussion at all on this topic? The last verse 31 makes me think of, I think, your first talk where you said that, you know, if you're she give her the fruit of her hands, it makes me think of just, you know, when your house is in order, then you have time to enjoy life too, that you're not always just working hard and slaving away. Mm -hmm. and you get to enjoy the fruit of your own hands. That's right, and in this spice section today, we're, we're going to talk a lot about um, how to get that time, or, or it comes up, I should say, maybe not a lot. Um, I think I'd mentioned, in light of something you had said, Stephanie, that my basic um, pattern is work first and then enjoy. Yeah. Enjoy the, the peace that you've created by your work, um, rather than sitting around in the mess and going, well, I'll get around to this at some point. Mm -hmm. um, it's not as enjoyable to sit around when it's a mess. Or maybe it is for some people, I don't know. <laughs> Evan likes to describe certain kinds of rooms uh, that young men live in as hamster cages. <laughs> it's like they have piles of sawdust in the corner that they just bur burrow into. So, um, <laughs> Any other comments or questions? I'm just wondering who the mother is and who's the son. Is it Bathsheba and Solomon, or is it's King Lemuel's mother? Oh, King, yeah. Um, that's all we know about her, and as far as I'm aware, is that she wanted her her son to have a a good woman, which is you know pretty typical for most moms. She wrote a pretty nifty piece. Actually, he I think he wrote it. But it was stuff his mother communicated to him. Um, what do you think about the happy wife, happy life comments? Have you guys heard those? And the, mm -hmm. if mama ain't happy? It makes her the boss. Yeah. I don't like that. Yeah. yeah. And if anything, you just need to be the boss of your own attitudes and get them right. <laughs> because, again, there's a truth in it. Um, you need to be happy. It's such a good reminder, and it's so it's little things that I, I, I'm not following this completely because I get annoyed if like I have to pump regularly throughout the day, and there's only one spot where I can plug in the pump and sit on the couch and be comfortable. And Tim doesn't like cords running from the couch. He doesn't like cords running across walking paths. So this morning even, I was like, I'm the one that has to pump all the time. Why can't I leave it plugged in? But that's such a bad attitude because it's, he's my Lord, and why can't I, or well, I will now, but why haven't I been choosing? I'm here for him, mm -hmm. and I'm here to make his life better. If he prefers it, and I was thinking this this morning, well, he prefers it that way. That's the way it is. Mm -hmm. But rather than begrudgingly, uh -huh. rejoice in it and say, I want to be what he needs, yeah. you know, and and it's perfectly reasonable for him not to want the cord across yeah. the traffic path. Anyway, it's just a good reminder and a reminder that there's beauty in it, you know. Yeah, yeah. So you could trip on it and break your foot. Exactly. Or you like, could go to John's Alley and break your foot. <laughs> Hi, Tammy. <laughs> she plans on listening to this. Um, any other comments? No. Nope.
Rachel's making a funny face. I was just wondering what happened to Tammy. Oh, <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, why don't we end this talk? Oh, you know, and I did forget to pray before we started this, and that was another thing I was going to do. We'll pray before the next one. Goodbye. <laughs>